Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Good morning, and uh, we're going we're gonna to dive right in. Thank you for leading us in prayer and worship and uh, I feel like my heart is ready, and I hope yours is as well. So um, over the next three sessions, we're going we're gonna to move through three pieces, uh, seeing God and, and then seeing self, and then uh, tomorrow morning, uh, seeing forward. So I, I wanted to start with uh, this image here. Um, because I had to have it projected on the screen, it won't, uh, it won't have the same effect, but can anybody dare to guess what this is? <laughs> the, the, the technical term for it is uh, autostereogram, and I seem to remember this like back from the 90s, like in the kiosk in the malls, you had these images, and if you stare at it and you look at it just the right way, there's a 3D image in there. Um, again, I don't know if it'll happen here, but there's actually a shark. And, um, and, and I found one that's a moving version of this, and the, the shark is swimming if you can focus in just right. But it's this idea of being able to see beyond what you see. Uh, just a, a passing by or a casual look, um, you just see a, you know, miscellaneous dots, but to reflect and to look more deeply, um, there's something really quite magnificent there. And it's fun when you finally get it and your eyes focus in, and it's amazing. And I stared at it for a while, and I couldn't get the dot pattern back. I, could, I was fixed in on what was really there. And uh, life can be like that as well. Um, we can see but not see. Um, we can see God and see God at work, but not see God and not really see him at work. And um, it, I want to share, if I could, just how um, this reality kind of took place in my life. And the year was uh, 1993. It's a year that uh, I will never forget um, because it marked a real turning point in my life. 1993 started, it was a year after I, I got married, and it started with the death of my grandfather, unexpected death. And my grandfather was very significant in my life, and you'll hear more of my story tomorrow that um, I didn't grow up with my biological dad. So my grandfather was, he was that stable male figure in my life. In fact, um, he wasn't so stable early on. He was like a severe alcoholic, and he was in our home because he was just trying to get life together, and in his later years, he did. Came to know Christ, a deacon in the church, a godly man. In fact, we shared a bedroom together until um, I graduated from high school. So when he died, like, that was huge for me because my security in life had been tied up really in two things, my family and um, entrepreneurship. So that, you know, owning my own business, I was in control. Security of a family, I just felt like my life was snug and complete, and my grandfather passed. 
And during the course of that year, four more significant deaths occurred in my life. The first time any significant deaths had occurred, one of them was one of my best friends and, and college roommate who's uh, four days older than me, and I actually walked with him through his last days, just watched him just wither away, and it was just, a, just an amazing thing. And then at the end of the year, to top it all off, my business failed. I mean, it was soaring, and we were doing so well and just unexpected. I just can't explain how it happened. The bottom fell out. But here's the amazing thing. In the midst of all of that, I saw God. And it was an amazing, I, there was grieving and there was difficulty, but I, I was able to see through the dot pattern of all of this in my life at the time, at least, was tragedy and I could see God, I could see his grace and his mercy and how he sustained me. I, I, you always say, I, I could never endure that, but I, I was able to. And it was during that time that I really drew closer to him and I, my walk became authentic. So I don't know about you, if, if you've had some shift take place in your life, something that causes you to just pause and to maybe reflect or to look more deeply and to sort of get in the balcony and ask that question, what's really going on? What is life about? What's really important? Well, I want to invite you for a moment to, um, to use your imagination, and we are going to attempt to enter into Isaiah's story. Remember I told you how important it is to, to try to enter into the story of another person? because God is at work. So what I'm going to ask you to do is just close your eyes for a moment and try to enter into this experience that Isaiah had. And, and then we're going to try to see if there's some questions we can ask to see how God may be shaping our journey. What happened with Isaiah isn't necessarily prescriptive, but it is descriptive of 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 how God worked in his life, and perhaps there's some things we can glean. So just close your eyes for a moment and enter in to this experience um, of Isaiah in chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, 
he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall, we, whom, shall I, whom shall we send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Now that's Isaiah's experience and you can open your eyes and just enter into that experience. Imagine the shift that took place in his life. And we're going to walk through that and, and, and see how our stories might in some way perhaps parallel. Maybe we can glean from his story. He says, in the year that uh, King Uzziah died, that, that was significant for Isaiah and the people King Uzziah had served for 52 years, a godly man who had a godly father who served this king and even had a godly son who served after him. But near the end of Uzziah, King Uzziah's life, he pride overtook him and he did what he ought not do and ended up spending his last days with leprosy, separated from the people, diminished glory, diminished power, diminished presence among the people. And it's in that year that, he, that when he dies, something happens in Isaiah's life. So King Uzziah's death somehow caused Isaiah to slow down, to slow down and reflect. It was that death that caused that shift to happen in Isaiah's life. So for us, the question is this, what might God be doing to slow you down or stop you in your tracks so that you might more deeply reflect? For me, it was the loss of the two things that gave me security. For Isaiah, it was the death of the king, 52 years. For you, maybe it's as simple as a family retreat. It doesn't have to be catastrophic, but something that God is doing, either in a very significant way, jolting kind of way, or just a whisper, send in your registration. Go and take advantage of this to just more deeply reflect, to just stop you from a, for a moment to ask the question, what's really going on? When the king Uzziah dies, the way is cleared for Isaiah to see the king the real king. As King Uzziah's illness and eventual death shows the fading glory and power of the human king, the real king. The way is now cleared for him to see the real king. One who is worshipped, 
one who is holy, one who is powerful, the Lord Almighty, the greatest of warriors. This is amazing, just an amazing sight to see. It's really beyond explanation, so I won't try to. And these beings who are worshiping the king are powerful themselves. Fiery beings. Beings with voices so powerful that the temple in which the king resides trembles and shakes. That's the image of the real king. The death of the human king clears the way. Isaiah saw God in all his power and his holiness and glory. And maybe I I shouldn't say in all of it. He could only take in so much. But then here's the question for us. What does God want you to discover or rediscover about him? Is it his power? Is it his grace? Is it, although he's transcendent, that he really is near? I discovered that as a young man who had walked through trouble that I had not known before, he was near. This God that I remember singing about as a kid and even had professed faith in all of a sudden became like an ever-present God. But what about you? What do you need to rediscover about God? Maybe something you had tucked in your purse and wallet and put it back there. And yeah, I know that, but you need to rediscover it or some new attribute or characteristic of God in this season of your life. He's a God that meets your financial needs if there's financial trouble. He's a, he's a God that can give you wisdom and counsel when it's, it's becoming more difficult to parent. It's what is it? What is it? Isaiah says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips. Isaiah sees God in his holiness and his perfection. Like Dave said last night, when you look in the mirror, you see what's there. And when he looks and he sees the perfection of God, he can't help but reflect upon himself. And though the the people may have been here and and maybe Isaiah was here, God is way up here. He realizes that the gap between he and God is much greater than the gap between him and even the lowest of those in his culture. And he realizes, I'm I'm done. I might have been a good man, but I'm undone. I am a cursed man when it compares to the perfection of God. See, slowing down can help us do that, to take a really good look at ourselves. Ronald Heifetz wrote a a book uh, titled Leadership on the Line. It's it to me is one of the best leadership books I read. It's it's a secular book, but it's it's excellent. And he talks about this idea of getting into the balcony. 
and asking the question, what's really going on? Be it a, in, in some kind of play move that's happening in a meeting or as I step back from some leadership scenario or life scenario, what's really going on? What's going on in the hearts of the other people? But what's going on with me? What kind of dysfunction am I displaying? What kind of, you know, defenses or hidden sort of agendas am I playing with? It, it's, the challenge is to take a look at me because no matter what else is going on around me, there's something happening in me. And Isaiah's moved to examine himself, and he doesn't like what he sees. In fact, he's undone in what he sees. So Isaiah saw his own heart and life and how far it was from God's perfection. But then here's the question for us. What does God want you to see? What does he want me to see when we slow down, we stop, and we really gaze at him? And then we take a, a real good inventory of self. Like, what do we see? Is there anything there that needs to be dealt with? Which, by the way, God wants to deal with. Um, I know our sister Vicki, uh, and maybe some others may be familiar with this, the Johari window actually developed by two guys, one named Joe, one named Harry. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's used in human psychology, but there's really something there ab- about this. I used this just a few weeks ago as we were talking about uh, doing a series on friendships and how one reason we need friends is we need someone to, like, really t- to tell us about us at times. Like the, the thing that other people may know, but we don't know, we need someone to say, hey, man, do you know you do this? It's like, what, dude, me? Yeah, yeah, you. Like no one else will tell you, but I love you enough as your friend. You know, it says an enemy w- multiplies kisses, but wounds from a friend can be trusted. I just want you to know, man, because I want you to be all that you can be. So we talked about that blind self, but I brought it up because of this unknown self. Is that which... Um, either I've done such a good job of masquerading and tuck, tucking away and hiding in my life that I don't even remember to recognize it, and others around me don't recognize some flaw, some sin, some sinful pattern in my life. But you know who knows? God knows. Which is why it's good to pause and say, Lord, will you examine me? Lord, if there's something in me, will you Will you bring it to my attention? Lord, will you deal with it? Because, see, the other people around me, they, they don't see it. And me, maybe I even sense it, but I can't put my finger on it. I can't deal with it. Lord, will you, will you deal with it? Now the question is, so what might God want you to see? So Isaiah not only sees that he himself is a sinner and he's in, he's in trouble, but he lives among a people of unclean lips, and his eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He sees himself, but then he sees the culture, the people around him. He saw the true condition of the people and culture around him and how far they were from God's perfection as well. Somehow something got cut off there. Himself within a heart for the people and recognizing the place of the people. Here's a question for us. How well do we understand the, what's going on in the people around us? 
How well do we understand the current? Because, see, it's possible that we can be carried away in the current of the culture that we may not realize that we're drifting down the same lazy river that the world is. But if you watch the news, if you hear the reports, if you you see the movies, the media that are produced, it's just, it's like how much can God take? How much? But I believe God wants us to have a heart for the culture. He wants us to be sensitive to what's happening in the culture and not so much for culture's sake, but it's the people in the culture, our neighbors, our, our, um, our classmates, the people we work with, especially in light of the king's imminent return. See, the perfect judge, Jesus Christ, is going to return. And you and I may be secure in our salvation, living it out imperfectly, but, but we're secure. But what about the people that we play with and live with and work with? Um, we, did a, we did a series, uh, just, uh, just finished it. Uh, it's the fourfold gospel, Christ our Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King. So this is one of our uh, co-pastors, Bob. Um, and to understand this picture, you'd have to know Bob. Bob is Mr. Conservative. I mean, he's a financial planner as well. So um, he's, he's conservative financially, politically, um, theologically. I mean, this guy's Mr. Conservative. So any creative idea, any outside-the-box thing he does, we just encourage it. Go, Bob. That's really good. So he did the message on uh, Christ our coming king. So he, he had this idea. I'm going to dress up like a 16th or 17th century herald. And he walked into the congregation unannounced. The king is coming. The king is coming. And people were just like cracking up. So, um, but... But he says, you know, um, that's a reality. Christ is coming again. And um, the people we work with, the people we live and play with, what's going to happen when he returns? Are we ready for his return? Well, you know, we've got our salvation card for sure. um, But what what about them? God has a heart for all people. And then you get this image. He realizes how broken he is, how broken the other people are. And one of the seraphs demonstrates God's grace in touching his lips, signifying the life, the heart, that Isaiah, you're you're clean, you're forgiven. Yeah, you're undone, you're cursed, but not anymore. Touch your lips. Your guilt is your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Isaiah experienced God's grace through forgiveness and cleansing. Forgiveness and cleansing. What grace of God is needed in your life, which He freely offers? Is it forgiveness? Is it wisdom? Is it strength? 
It's why it's so important for us to share our stories. Because in sharing our stories, we get a sense of the manifold wisdom, the many variations of, of grace that God displays in a person's life. Freedom from guilt from the past. What might it be that God is saying, don't carry that anymore? Or what he may be saying is, why are you walking like you're carrying it? I've already taken that away. There's no ball and chain there. Why do you walk like this? There's, there's nothing attached. And finally, he gets this invitation. Who's going to go for us? Who can we send? Isaiah was invited into God's work. So here's the final question. So what work do you sense God is inviting you into? He, he, he wants you and me to participate in what he's doing. Every single man, woman, and child, what is it? Ultimately, it's the redemption of every man, woman, and child. But how? Like what part are you to play? You, don't worry about if you think it's insignificant or not. That let, there are no insignificant parts. What is it? So what I've given you, hopefully it's just, just a process of what we saw take place in Isaiah's life. And, and maybe some of that is what God wants to do in us. Amen? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you that your grace, your power, your holiness, your presence, none of it will ever diminish. And Father, in spite of what we think of ourselves, you see us as your children. You see us as, as clean and righteous and holy, and sanctified. And just like with Isaiah, you invite us into your work. I pray that in the hours to come that we will be able to reflect deeply, to hit the pause button on life, to, to peel back or allow you to peel back the layers and show us what's there and Lord, just unload some stuff so that we may be able to run the race that you've marked out for us. Show yourself, Father, in a very real and tangible way and let each of us have hearts to respond. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.